0: Welcome, all of you wine and true crime lovers. I'm your host, Brandy, and this is Texas Wine and True Crime. This week, friends, we are talking about an unsolved murder in Houston, Texas. This is the case of Shelby Thornburg. Today, I um, am joined by the sister of Shelby Thornburg, Christina. Thank you for being here with me today, Christina. You're welcome. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say that I am so sorry for the loss of your sister. Um, I know you and your family want to see your sister's case solved, and I and Christina, I will say, um, I do have hope that her case will be solved because there is a few things that you have in your favor in this case um, compared to a lot of other cases we talk about. And that is camera footage of someone that is believed to be involved in her case. And you also have DNA um, that was left at the scene. So nice I do work. I do want to say that um, it does give me hope because of these things that you are already a step ahead. So I'm hoping by you being on our show today, um, I did mention Houston is one of our um, top three audiences. So we have a lot of people who listen in Houston. So I'm going to be posting pictures of your sister. I'm going to share the um, pictures from the the video footage that was inside of her apartment building. And I am hoping um, that we can um, bring some closure to to this case. I appreciate it. So before we get into what happened on November 4th, 2015, can you just tell us a little bit about your sister and, and who she was as a person and um, just just share whatever you'd like about her.
1: Well, uh, Shelby was a very loving, kind-hearted person. Shelby would give her shirt off the back to whoever needed it mm-hmm. off her back. Um, she was very open and very friendly. Sometimes I don't think that's a good thing to be, uh, but that's who she was. Shelby uh, was very kind and just in general was somebody that a lot of people looked up to be or looked up to and wanted to be Mm -hmm. because Shelby wasn't very ugly or very um, rude with people. She was real nice. Now she did give her opinion on a lot of things. And a lot of the things that she'd give her opinion on is when somebody come to her for advice and how to do things. So Mm -hmm. Shelby, Shelby overall was very, just somebody that everybody loved. Uh, I've not met one person or talked to one person that I've come across since my sister has been killed that didn't really like her.
0: Right. Uh, so no enemies that you know of. Nobody that no. um and, and where now you guys are originally from Texas your sisters where did you grow up in Texas?
1: A little all over the place uh really Okay. Uh I was born in Fort Worth, and Shelby was born in Decatur. Okay, uh, we grew up majority of our life in Brownwood, Texas, uh, but we were bounced in back and forth different towns when we were placed in foster care, and uh, we spent some time in Jacksboro, sometimes in, sometime in Graham, sometimes in, sometime in Arlene. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes in a- sometime in Abilene and sometimes in Wichita Falls.
0: Okay. Well, I was born in Wichita Falls. <laughs> I know that place very well. And we've, we're in Brownwood um, quite a bit. So it uh, sounds like you guys got to see all different, um, you know, you were in all different parts of Texas. Now, she was living in Houston. What, what made her choose Houston? What brought her to Houston?
1: Well, originally it was a guy. Mm Uh, Shelby had just gotten out of foster care and was living with my aunt and my cousin. And she met this guy. Uh, I can't even think of his name right this second, but she met this guy and moved down there and was with him for, I don't know, about probably about six months or so. Uh, Mm -hmm. and during that process, I guess she didn't really like the relationship. Not so much that he wasn't good to her. But you know, some relationships just don't work out for some people, sure. and so I'm not sure exactly when, but she had seen started talking to another dude, I guess. Uh, I didn't know that it was really over between her and that one guy until she had posted a picture of her and this other dude on Facebook with uh his kid, okay. And um, I think it was at that point when um, Shelby had met Mark. And he started to uh, make her become a prostitute. Um, or in her line of business, it was considered a high-end escort. Um, okay. So, so we're talking... that's how she originally got down there. Okay, so when you say
0: Mark, you're talking about the Marcus Johnson, right? The, the gentleman who ends up calling 911 in
1: this case? Um, I don't know his last name, but okay. um, I guess so. Because the only thing that Shelby had ever told me his name was Mark D. Okay,
0: so that stands for Marcus Dwayne Johnson. So that is his official legal name, um, just because it's from the nine one one call. So they, um, so let let's kind of talk about. Um, so now she's there. She's in Houston. She's she meets, um, like you said, Mark D, and he ends up calling nine one one in this case when he finds. Shelby, so you mentioned that um, she was a high-end call girl, an escort, prostitute, wh- whatever words you want to use. the the oldest I always say, you know, the oldest profession in the world, yet. Even nowadays when it comes to investigating cases that are involved with women who police feel like maybe it's not such a priority. Maybe nobody misses them. Maybe nobody's really concerned about their about their safety. So it kind of goes to the wayside a little bit. And and we'll talk about that a little further down because I really don't know how how the Houston PD has has handled this case. So I'm hoping maybe you can give us a little insight on the investigation. Um, but but no matter what what she was doing, she was a 20 year old beautiful girl. And she was and she was viciously murdered. And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, is that it doesn't matter what you do for a living, your life doesn't deserve to be taken. Exactly. And that's why we're going to talk about this today, because somebody knows something. I think um, it, I believe it only takes that one person to come forward. Um, And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping um, that, that bringing, you know talking about her today um brings this brings this case out to light for for people that don't know much about it so so let's talk about what happens on that night what do you know what Shelby was doing during that day was she hanging out with Mark D was she with friends what happened up before she went to the apartment do you know
1: uh yeah i didn't at the time but over the over the process of going down there and cleaning out her apartment and talking to the investigators and stuff, um, I've kind of learned the grasp of what she had done that day prior. Okay. Uh, she had, that day had went down and put about $1,400 down to have some uh, breast implants done and a tummy tuck. Um Okay. I found the paperwork when I went to clean her apartment out and of the down payment that she had put down for that done. Uh, that night, uh, my aunt had called her to see what she was doing, and it was probably about 6.30, I think she had said. She called her, and Shelby said she was getting out the shower and trying to get ready for work. And so Shelby had gotten off the phone with her and told her she'd call her later. Um and then so that was uh that was about 6:30 about 8:30 or so uh she let that man in her house or her apartment and then that's when um he had killed her. So it wasn't very long in hours between her doing all of what she had done that day before she was actually killed. She wasn't she had no idea this was even coming. So I
0: have a question. Who made the appointments for Shelby? Did she set them up herself or did Mark D do that?
1: I'm not sure if she had set them up or if Mark had set them up. I know all the paperwork and stuff was done in her name mm-hmm. and that she had put the money down. Cause when I had called up there, mm-hmm. uh, they wouldn't talk to me over the phone. I had actually got, had to go in there in person because I was trying to get that money. So that way I could try to pay for her funeral cost. And they had informed me then that they couldn't release the money to me because they had several people had already been calling up there trying to get that money. Uh, Yes, ma'am. So the only other people that I know to have done anything would have been Mark, because he is the one who would take Shelby from place to place if she needed to go and get her nails done or needed to go get her hair done or needed food or whatever the case may have been. Mark was the one to transport her from place to place.
0: Okay, so... So then I would imagine he probably knows about the money and the down payment and, and, and what she had planned. What about her? What about with the gentleman that she meets up with in her business? Does she book those appointments or does Marcus did did that ever come to light on? Does anyone know the person's name that called and set this up with her? Did she just handle these herself?
1: Do you know anything about that? Well, At first, I did not know who actually set the appointments up. But after Shelby was killed, um, there was numerous amount of girls that come to me and was telling me what had happened and what Mark had done to her on numerous occasions Um, and had told me that Mark was the one who would set up the appointments. Mark would, he took, he knew when they would come, he knew what time they would leave he knew how much they were supposed to bring like it was all set up through mark so okay. shelby wasn't informed of anything um just one second sure so shelby wasn't informed sorry um it's okay my husband was calling but so Shelby wasn't informed of anything like she didn't know who the person was technically supposed to be coming. She just Mark would let her know um, and give them the number. So that way they can communicate as far as when they got there, I guess. uh, Mm -hmm. And where to meet or how to meet or whatnot. Uh, So everything, like I said, other than the meetup, the, the initial meetup mark from my understandings from what all the other girls had told me is he is the one who had said or set everything up. So the
0: reason that I feel like this is a very important question, because when you have these type of of women putting themselves in in these types of positions for, for occupation, right? His responsibility is to make sure they're safe. So when guys exactly. handle these women, they typically will get information from the people calling. So then if something does happen, they're able to identify or at least have some identifying factors of who that person is that she met with. So I am curious to know, how much police have actually dug into the phone records of, of Marcus or and really talked to these other girls to see if this picture that I will um, friends, I will put this picture up on our social media page, pages so you can see the video um, footage, because to me, it is a pretty clear picture of someone and. So do you know about that? Do you know if the police have talked to these women or gone through his phone?
1: I'm not sure about uh, him, the police talking to other women, but I, they have said that they have talked to Mark. He's got an alibi for the night that um, I guess they I, and I, I don't think I've really asked about his phone records. But at this point, from my understandings, I don't think they technically have him as a suspect. In Shelby's murder, sure, which which
0: which is fine. I I understand he he did find Shelby. So let, let's kind of talk about that. I, I'm not I'm not even really saying that Marcus should be considered a suspect. What I'm saying is if if he's getting these phone calls, if he's the one accepting the phone call from the people meeting up with these women, then I would think he would have some information about a name, um, a, a phone number that was used to call him you know, tracking that phone number through Marcus's phone. These are just very detailed things that police can get a hold of. But I'm just curious
1: if they've actually done that work. Exactly. I would assume um, that they would have some kind of name. Mm. For my understandings, he hasn't even given them a name whatsoever. Um, Even if it's some kind of... uh, False name. I I don't think that he's even given him any kind of name. Uh, I can okay. tell you that um, the phones that the phone that that man used was a burner phone. I do know that police said that they had tracked the phone down to where it techni- where it was actually bought. Mm-hmm. They went to that store and it was paid for with cash, so that could not be traced. Yeah. And when he created the account to turn the phone on. He used um I can't think of the I can't think of the name that they had told me that he had used, but he used a name something like Big Daddy or something, like one of them weird names just a, a false name that's sure. nowhere near somebody, so they couldn't get a name off of the phone record from him either, so they couldn't track, that, track the phone to like any credit card or debit card payments, and they couldn't track him by uh, a name for him either.
0: Okay, so um, so I guess he hasn't been very cooperative in your sister's case.
1: Exactly. I, Except his tru- alibi.
0: He had an alibi. I that, guess that's yeah, what that's, they're saying. That's
1: what they, that's what they say. Now, okay. truly, and I believe I've been saying this, that if he did, see, Shelby, from right before she was killed, there was a big old prostitution ring that was busted. Um and it was in her area that she was in as well, and so um, that that prostitution ring being busted, I don't know if it was one of his rings or if it was one of somebody else's. But you know, when you have prostitution prostitution rings, most of the pimps all work together and say, "Okay, this is my area. This is my girl. You don't mess with her, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So. I, I'm I'm not, I cannot say this for certain, but I, I will say that I truly believe that with that ring being busted, because Shelby had just been arrested prior to that for uh, prostituting. And she said that she had told me that she was working with the police and her lawyers to have the record expunged off of her. Because at this point, this is her second offense. She's looking at doing time mm-hmm. without it having been expunged. So she said she was working with the police and working with the lawyer to have it uh, wiped off her record. Um, and so I don't know if Shelby and the cops won't tell me if even if it was true, but I don't know if she was working with them. And that's the reason why they got busted and Mark had found out and he's the one who had her killed. Because if that's the case, that explains why he's not given no names or no information as to exactly who this man is. Because like you had said prior, that if that's the case, he would be trying to take care of her because that was his number one. Um, I think uh, when I done the interview with Paul Holes, he had called it the um, excuse my language, but he called her the bottom bitch because that's what. They considered like that's their number one. That's who they train. That's who they have trained every other of uh, every other girl that comes in. uh That's their their number one. That's who makes them the most money. So Shelby was considered the bottom ditch, um, and so you would figure if that's the case, he would be trying to take care of her. And if if he didn't have nothing to do with it, he would have had a name for the cops,
0: right? Or he just doesn't want to be involved, you know, like we see this a lot, he finds her. So we'll talk, let's, let's get into that. Um, Because I, I I think I'm kind of curious of what the alibi was. I mean, I I, I don't know what, what actually his alibi is. I mean, he is the one who finds her. So let's talk about this. So this Mm -hmm. is, this is why I also ask if it was set up from her or from for him, because at eight thirty three p.m., it says that she receives a text from the client, saying mm-hmm. that I'm here, right? So, and then a minute later, the security video picks him up walking into the the lobby of the apartment complex. Yeah. Okay. And then you have it 840. So this is a very small timeline. So at 840, just seven minutes after she receives that initial text, she texts Marcus, um, with a safe word, I guess, good G U D now Mm -hmm. are, are, have they confirmed that actually was a safe word and that, that, that text actually went through. Have you
1: heard anything on this? They haven't said anything to me if they have actually had confirmed that was a safe word or um, if the text had actually went through. They, a matter of fact, I had asked for pictures because they have all of my sister's phones. I know she had at least three phones, a personal phone, uh, the work phone, and I want to say another phone phone. Because at one point when I had went down to visit my sister, I was actually going out to see my grandma, but I stopped to see my sister as well. Mm -hmm. She had three different phones and she had told me what they were all for. Um, And so I know she had at least two to three phones in her possession. And I would asked for for them to go through and send me any pictures of her. And they said there was no pictures on any of her phones. Like there was nothing on their phones. So I I don't know if they the guy had wiped the phone clean I I don't know I really don't know anything as far as like um, if that text had went through or if they had confirmed it was a if it was a code word okay. So then at
0: 8.57, so just 17 minutes. So th- so what Marcus tells the police is that the safe word, good, G-U-D, was used to make sure once, one, they were in the actual apartment, and two, that she actually got paid. So those are the two things that he says that word meant. So that's when he hears from her— um, uh, at 8 40 so then i guess he just doesn't worry about it is just what i'm going to assume that he thinks everything's fine and at 8 57 this client was seen on security footage leaving the apartment so the murderer is seen now it, but the video that i saw you just see him in the lobby anything coming out of her apartment directly that you know of
1: no, the 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 apartments did not have any surveillance other than uh the lobby. Okay. Now in the very the very initial the very initial part of the video, um and I don't know which one it's on or, or anything like that, but I do remember on one of the videos, you see the man walk in, walk past the elevators. And go through another set of double doors and sit down on a couch. So he was waiting for her to come down and meet him. So it was, you still got a timeline gap right there. So it's even shorter between the time that he got in her apartment and actually done that. So you said it's that seven minutes. So the money probably was handed over between the elevator and them walking in the front door.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying. Now, do you know? um, Okay, so let's talk about um, let's talk about the crime scene. So, so Marcus couldn't reach her. So this is what I'm reading: just a partial police report that I found, and it said that he couldn't reach Shelby. So he goes to the apartment around 10 p.m., and that's when he finds her. And then he calls um, 911. Um. Do they know if, in the autopsy, was there intercourse, sexual intercourse involved? Do they believe it just happened so quickly right after they walked into the apartment? Um,
1: the way so she my, was
0: found. I mean, what do you, what do you know about what they found at the crime scene and in the autopsy?
1: So, from my understandings, is that there was sexual intercourse and DNA was found on her back. So it was, um, I don't know if it, if, if it had lasted Mm -hmm. very long. I mean, I I don't know, but they said there was sexual intercourse that was found and that, um, the DNA was found on her back. So I don't know if, um, they had sex from behind or mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that goes on really, but I do know that the DNA was found on her back. So therefore it was either they were having sex from behind and he slit her throat then and her not coming, not seeing it come. Or it was when Shelby was, they had just got done and he, and which I don't really and truly I don't, I, everything still blows my mind because when you think about it, there's several different, there's several different ways. And with the knife that he had, he had to use, it wasn't like some little short knife. It was a big, big, like, I guess you could say butcher knife. How is he going to hide something like that without my sister even seeing it? Like, uh, I don't understand that, but Shelby was, if you're looking at the pictures of her apartment, yep. Shelby was on the right side of the bed. So if you're standing at the foot foot of the bed, she is on the right side closest to the bay doors, the sliding glass doors. Mm -hmm. Um, And so her body is literally laying over the bed and her head is facing the wall. That's how she was found dead. So like I said, I'm not, I don't know if it was so much the fact that it was veering or if it was after, but either way, how are you going to hide a knife like that? There's got to be some kind of gap between there or some way where he can grab that knife without her noticing it.
0: So here is just a, um, I'm going to just take a guess and I'm going to, now I want you to look at his outfit he's wearing in that video. I don't have the video up in front of me, but if I can remember right, looking at that video, his shirt would go over his pants pocket, and so I'll go. I'll go look at that video. But I mean, I'm just thinking of a knife, and if you, and I'm thinking of sort of like a like a a Boeing, uh, like a chef's like a long knife, right? Like you said, it was a long knife, and so I'm gonna say that you are probably correct. And that he was b- behind her. And I'm gonna, and, and my guess is do you know if they found def-
1: defensive wounds on her? There was one on her left wrist where she had put up for self defense. Um, okay. It wasn't a matter of, like, I guess he went to grab her and she seen the knife come around in front. Cause I know, I do know that uh, the cops had said that she was cut from behind. Uh, left to right.
0: Okay. So that means he's right-handed. So we're talking about a right-handed person. And I know there was a blood splatter that was on the opposite side of the wall, which would mean a clean cut from left to right. So we're dealing with someone right-handed. So I'm going to take a guess and say that cut on her left wrist probably came from, you know, if he grabs her from behind, you know, just a reaction to lift her arm up. And when Mm -hmm. he came across that left to right, I think it got her wrist. Yeah. Because I I know... Otherwise, I think we would see more than one with that type of weapon if she was facing him.
1: And if she had seen it coming at any time, I do know that Shelby had uh, pepper spray. You know how close the couch was to her bed. Yep. She had... uh, She had um, pepper spray at the corner of the couch that's closest to the bed so it was literally in arm's reach from her yeah she didn't see it coming at all it was it was something and i'm looking at the picture of the video the shirt itself it doesn't look like it would be quite long enough to conceal a weapon of that size now there Mm -hmm. it is a little bit baggy but it's not it, he's got his hands in his pocket, and the shirt's not even really touching the bottom of his pocket. They're wondering if he had across his waist, like where his—down in his private area. It's not even that far down. Yeah. So he would technically need a pretty big-sized shirt to conceal a weapon like that.
0: I'm wondering if he had some sort of knife holder— or something inside of his pants or just something to where she could not be able to see it. That it would be and that, hidden. In, it, that, I mean, you know, it had to be. It wasn't hers, right? I mean, we know he brought it in. Uh, right? I mean, they didn't, you, that knife was not identified being one of her knives. There was, was it?
1: No, uh, there was no knife found at the scene. So he took it with him.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So we cannot sit here and say that it was or was not. Right, but one she didn't
0: top. have any butcher knives or anything that had like a one missing, or in her kitchen or anything like that. She didn't
1: have. She didn't have. Um, you know, like most houses, they've got the knife blocks. That I, I do. I've got one of them knife blocks. Uh-huh. It's a pioneer wife not wife knife block uh-huh. that's sitting on my counter, uh-huh. and it's got the butcher knife. It's got the serrated bread knife. It's got um, if the flat end sure. shorter knife. Uh, it's got got all the steak knives and stuff like that to it Mm -hmm. so she didn't have one of those but I do not recall when cleaning her apartment out even finding one big knife
0: okay okay well and also if he was to get up and go to the kitchen again we're not talking something that would have happened from behind You know, so so I think it's safe to say that he got it in somehow. He approached her from behind unknowingly. And I'm willing to bet that that one defensive room wound was actually just her arm going up and him trying to come from left to right probably got that wrist. Um, So Marcus shows up at 10 o'clock. He can't. He doesn't hear from Shelby. He's worried. He says he he goes to the apartment. He finds her. He calls 911. And um, basically tells them someone is dead. He said, "I think this was a quote taken from him. Someone is dead. Someone has killed my girl." Um, is the words that that um, dispatchers used when when um, commenting on the nine one one phone call? Um, and I, did,
1: mm-hmm. I I don't know where it is, but I did hear mm-hmm. that video. Um, okay. A matter of fact, I think it's in one of the shows that I done. It's either. Well, it was Crime Watch Daily, but now I think it's true crime. Um I think it was in that one that they had played the The, the 911 actual nine one
0: one call. Yeah. Okay. I think um I did I did um I think I did see it. I, I definitely know that it's out there um to listen to. So I think it also it was on a website, um that um it was on a website that I found about Shelby that someone had posted just videos that um, I believe they had done with you and um, the 911 call. There's pictures of the crime scene. Um, you know, I I mean, it's, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We, I, do you think it was, do you think it was a hit? Do you think someone went there with the intention to kill her or do you think something went wrong do you feel like she this could this is just a a random act of act of violence on on a call girl um you know we saw this with the um the murderer that when it that was doing this he was we found out he was engaged he had no criminal record I mean, he was about to be married, and he was on trial for killing four women he met off of Craigslist. So we know it can be anyone, right? We know that that the DNA found on Shelby did not match anyone um, in any CODIS records, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So there is no hit. So we know that this person at least does not have a criminal record or has had to submit DNA for anything, correct? Yes. Okay. Now...
1: Mm-hmm. To answer your question, I do believe that it was a hit. Okay. Um, rather, Mark had it done or not, uh, the with considering the fact that the prostitution ring was busted right before, and a matter of fact, there was another one busted right after she was killed, um, and it was literally days after that Shelby was killed. Um, so, whether it was him that had it done or if it was a serial killer, because I don't believe that he's never done this before. His demeanor and the way he's walking and the way he's holding himself, it's not like you just had done something wrong for the first time in your life. This is something that you, the way he's doing everything, it's like he's done it before. He's had, he had to know, because I'm not, not ever doing no research or ever having any knowledge of how to do anything i wouldn't know exactly how to cut somebody where to cut them what's the easiest and the quickest but yet the most brutal way of killing somebody um right and being able to get away with it you would figure if it was some somebody who had never done anything yeah i mean you have left cares but you and you've got video surveillance not first of all i don't think he even realized that there was cameras in this apartment but even if he did he knew to wear sunglasses he knew to wear that he knew how to hold himself away from things sure like sure it's not it's not like i just walked in there and i i ain't done my my research on certain, on certain things. Cause he, he knew what he was going in the, in there to do. He had an intent. He went in there and done it and got out.
0: Um, any, um, you know, I'm curious because typically, um, unless you're just a drifter and you're not from the area and you're using some sort of, um, call girl service. I'm going to assume if you're from the area, and this is something that someone is used to, they're going to typically probably go back to what they're comfortable with, right? I'm wondering if there are were any girls in the area or anyone that ever worked directly with Shelby that recognized this guy. Or just, I mean, I'm just kind of shocked that no one has come forward to say that they even, I mean, recognize him. I'm sure maybe police have received maybe some tips, but right now that person has not been identified.
1: Yeah, no, there's, um, there's, we've had people call in, um, and still to this day, there's people that call in and say, I think it's it's this person, or I'll get messages on my support team Shelby page. I don't get on there as often as I should, but I mentally cannot get on there like I need to to run sure. that page. Uh, it takes a toll on me, and it then it takes a toll on my whole entire family. But there, people will send me screenshots of certain people that do resemble the guy. I turn it over to the police, um, and but they say that still to this day they're receiving tips. However, there's one right now that they're waiting. Um, to get DNA from, but because of his line of work, they're having to wait for the FBI mm-hmm. to get his DNA because of, like I said, his line of work. Okay. Um, so they're having that's a whole nother pro a whole nother thing right now.
0: Yeah, because it looks like the part. Um. So you mentioned the hair. So there was a hair. Um. So part of the DNA evidence that was run through CODIS, there was no hits. But there is other DNA evidence that they took using tape lifts. Um, and that has actually never been tested. So is that what they're waiting on? Is that what is that the DNA they're trying to test? Do you know? From
1: my, my understanding, the only DNA they had gotten was hair follicle. Okay. Um, so they said that they got i think like 50 strands i don't i don't know it was quite a bit of hair um but they ran i know they said that they ran one which is a hair that tested for him Mm -hmm. uh i'll suspect and then they ran another strand and it come back for an unknown female um and so which that don't quite under i don't quite understand that but I do in a way. You think about it like this. If there's an unknown female hair on Shelby's body and she had gotten out the shower at six something that night and gotten dressed and was waiting for this person to show up, this hair on Shelby's body, I believe is only from one way. It could be, say she went and bought something that afternoon and was wearing that. It could be from where another woman had tried it on at the store. Mm -hmm. But, if it wasn't, and the clothes were not brand new, because from what I could see, the evidence, uh, the pictures on the floor, it's not something that she had just bought. It's something that she's had. Um, mm-hmm. So that female hair, to me, is, first of all, this man has got to be probably married. And his clothes were washed with his wife's clothes. Yep. So he has a daughter, and it was washed with his daughter. That hair is probably his wife or his daughter's hair. So run those hairs Mm -hmm. that you've got DNA off of or whatever. Run a genealogy test. I, in Brownwood, Texas, I don't know if you know uh, about this case or not, but in Brownwood, Texas, a year or so after Shelby was killed, this girl I went to high school with, I think her name was... Char- Charity, um, I can't think of her name right off at, off the top of my head. But anyways, they had DNA off of her. They had no video of this man. They had no suspect. Um, they had nothing. They just had DNA. Well, they ran it through the base. It cut come up nothing. While well, they done a genealogy test, which were they were able to say what kind of color hair he had, uh, what color eyes. Uh, give an outline as to what this picture of this man looked like. Sure. They posted this picture on online and was looking for him. This picture looked almost identical to her actual killer. It actually was so, so close to what her killer looked like that he turned himself in. He went to his pasture first. He told his pasture, what he had done his pastor then went with him to his house to tell his mom and his dad what he had done his mom and his dad drove him to the police department and to turn himself in mm-hmm. all off of this one thing now i know several cases have been solved by doing um I, I don't know if it's considered genealogy or what it is, but where they run it through the ancestry base. And, mm-hmm. okay, I know you're not going to get close to, you're not going to find that person really and truly because if they're a killer, they're not going to put their, their DNA out there like that. But there's been several cases where they have ran it through that system and come and it be their grandparent or their mother or their sister or their brother or something. Mm-hmm somebody close to them that's got that DNA that matches them. So they go to them and they say, okay, well, I I need this and this and this or whatever, however they say it. And that's how they get their killer. Now, right. why can't they do that with Shelby's case? Why can't they run it through one of them DNA websites where mm-hmm. they can see if it comes back to hitting a close match or something? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. That. If they've got enough to run for all these DNA tests, why can't mm-hmm. they run it through the, that test to find something? his family member to find him.
0: Sure. So um, we talk a lot about this. We've done lots of cases when it comes to genealogy testing, um, when it comes to um, there, uh, there's a place right in Texas, not far from Houston. Um, So if you look at DNA solves, if you, if you just Google DNA solves, you can, you can read about all the work they're doing. This is a very um, Christina. We could probably talk about DNA and and what it's doing and evolving in genealogy uh, for for hours. But believe it or not, there are actually um, when it comes to police departments working with these DNA companies, because you know most of these are private companies, and these are police officers that you know either. Think they they've got it. They don't want too many hands in the you know hands in the bag Um, when it comes to to solving. You would think they would all use it, right? But I have found come to find that it's actually not that simple. So if you give your DNA to somewhere like um, Ancestry, right? If you go to Ancestry's website, it basically says you're giving your DNA voluntarily. So even if you have committed a crime, your your name would never be given to any sort of law enforcement. So it, there is this crazy fine line um, when it comes to submitting voluntarily DNA and then being found like in a genealogy tree, which tends to be on the male side of usually an uncle, usually a father, usually a brother, usually a cousin um, of the male lo- of the male lineage. So um, why they haven't tested those years, I agree with you. I think they came off of a woman that came off of him. That's what I think. It right when, you, before you even said the part about him being married, how well, all, all of that, I, I, I firmly believe that it came from him. If she had showered and really didn't do anything else, and then they find women again, why not just test it? So, you know. Woody, how do you feel like the police have handled this case since from from the beginning? How do you feel like they're handling it now? Or do you get updates from them how how does how is that relationship?
1: Uh, Well, until the new investigator come on Shelby's case, I don't know his name. He told me it before, but i don't I don't remember it um there was no communication between me and crowder or me and dustin i didn't even find out um or not dustin but um i think that one one was dustin crowder but um the there was two original investigators on shelby's case one of them i hadn't even found out that he wasn't even on shelby's case until I called up there and I was trying to figure out how to report uh, the investigators on Shelby's case, because there was no communication. I could send email after email. I could call and leave a voice message and voice message and voice message and email and this and that. And they would never respond to me. So finally I was just like, well, I guess I need to like, report them or something if they're not doing their job like they're not communicating with me they're not like i'm literally because shelby's biological father had signed over his rights on shelby so he has no legal rights to shelby at all whatsoever Okay. my biological father uh robert had ended up adopting shelby so legally i am the only next of kin other than robert and that they're entitled to tell any information to like my mom's dead. My grandma's dead. Her biological father is not there. Robert don't have any rights to her anymore because where we were placed in foster care that last time he signed over his rights. So there was nothing. And Mm -hmm. I I wanted, I was trying to get at at least get them to do their job and at, Mm -hmm. at least communicate give me updates even if it's nothing Say, hey i ain't got nothing but this new this new detective on her case has been very i can i'm not going to sit here and say that he is or isn't um uh that he is or isn't really taking shelby's case seriously i want to say he is because he is very open with me he talks to me when i message him he'll message me back That's like, I've got communication all the way back. I was trying to sit here and scroll through my phone to see. um, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I've got, so far, I'm all the way into 2020 uh, of -hmm. this man talking to me. And he's been very open, very honest, very forthcoming. So, on October 29, 2020, is when... um, I, I was able to start communicating through him to him through text message. And this is his personal cell phone. So he gave me his personal cell phone number. Um, and the last message I sent to him was on the 2nd of February, or no, on March 30th. And I said, anything new. He said, waiting on the FBI surveillance uh, operations groups to be available to get DNA, the guy's DNA. Okay, so Crowder is the one that's in the the investigator now. So Crowder wasn't and still really doesn't communicate to me. He said, Crowder talked to them yesterday and was told that they are tied up at the moment. So that was on March 30th.
0: Um, Do you have um, the, did you get the public record police deport, uh, police reports from, from the Houston PD? Do you, ha- you have access to those? They've given you access to all the information about her case?
1: They won't give me any access to nothing. And I really and truly do not know where to start or begin to try to find any information for- about the police or her case.
0: Okay, let's talk about that offline um, and see if I can help point you in some directions. Um. You should be able to get some sort of public record on her case, um, but we'll uh, we'll kind of talk about that offline and see if we can um, see if we can maybe um, see if you're if you can get access to that stuff. Um, I think it's important that you're able to read that and to know what they know, which I think is important. Um, if they if they're sort of at a standstill with this and you haven't heard much from it, I feel like, you know, maybe if you have access to the report, right? The report is what supposedly they made when they found Shelby and what they found in or around her body, um, any kind of DNA evidence that was found. I I think, um, you know, I think it might just be important for, for you to be able to look at that to see if anything, um, I don't know. I just think it's important for family to be able to have access to those things. It gives you oh, yeah. an it gives you an idea about where the police stand right now in this case.
1: I, I believe so too, and I also believe that uh, they did not do a thorough investigation of her apartment either, because um, when I went into her apartment, I found blunt roaches underneath the couch in a. Lid to a candle, you know, those bigger, the real, not real tall ones, but the taller, real big, round candles that got the rubber seal on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found one of those, the lids underneath her couch that had pot roaches underneath it. Um, there was a condom wrapper sitting on the table that was beside the bed. There was lubrication on the table beside the bed. Um, uh, I found her ID. Uh I found the the TV was actually turned on onto porn. She had a porn DVD in there. Um I mean it, it just was not a very thorough investigation because there was a there was cell phones. In that apartment, I mean, you would figure her laptop. You would figure all these things you would take into evidence. That was
0: all uh, sitting there when you got there.
1: Yeah. And when I left her apartment, because I took everything except for the mattress, I took I even took the couch because I had uh, was buying a couch from Aaron's, and me having to go back and forth to Texas, I I didn't have the money to pay for my couch. Uh, so I had to take her couch and I had to clean it up and get all the blood off of the corner of the couch. And so that's what we used for years. And, um, but I also had taken the rug at the front of her door. It's on the outside of her door. Okay. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, this was a red rug and it's very hard to notice, but I, as if I was in their situation as a cop, I would have taken that rug and examined it for any kind of DNA, blood, hair, anything. When I took that rug home, because in the hallway, it's like, I don't know if you had even been to her apartment or even, I don't know if you can Google it and it shows like a tour of the apartment or not, but. When you walk through and you come up the elevators, it's like a hotel. You come out the elevator and you got left and right. Mm-hmm. She was left. And it's dark and very scary. They were doing some kind of construction. I don't know what exactly. But in the area there's like clear plastic up on the ceilings where there's been holes, but they had covered it with the clear plastic. So therefore I mean that just to to me it was a real creepy like you could go up there and look I I just didn't like it It's, it's real creepy and real dark and that rug was outside of the door being red I can understand and it's hard to tell but I if I was a cop would have taken that rug into consideration and took it with me when I got it home I put it at the front of my door because it was red and it matched the couch and I thought it looked good but there was a spot on this rug and it was darker than the rug. And I'm like, well, that don't look right. So I, I pretty much kind of knew it was blood, but I called the Houston department, Houston uh, PD, uh, and asked them if I could send that rug. Well, they told me no, that they couldn't take it because it done left the crime scene and it could be tempered or whatever. So, they wouldn't take the rug. So I took a Q-tip because, you know, on them, on them crime shows, I used to watch them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you could take like a Q-tip and wet the end of it and just put it on that. And it would soak that blood up and it would turn back the color it was. It wouldn't be brown no more. So I had done that. And sure enough, this was blood on sh- the rug that was on the outside of Shelby's door, not the inside in the apartment. It's on the outside of the apartment. So it's one of the two things. It was either Shelby's blood that fell off of him or his blood where he was hurt trying to kill her. Right. You
0: know, I find it interesting that they say they're not going to take a rug from you just because it's left the crime scene. It could be contaminated. But yet I did find out that they actually sent um, not homicide investigators, but just regular uniformed police officers to confirm that there was actually a body at Shelby's apartment. Once they find Shelby, then they call in homicide detectives. But by that time, there is already uniformed officers just sort of trampling around the place. And to not take any sort of computers, her ID, phones, blunt roaches, which could contain DNA, um, Mm -hmm. is kind of astonishing. And we are only talking, um, you know, what, seven years ago, we're in 2022. So this is what's happening only seven years ago is leaving everything behind. See, these are the kinds of things that um, are just very disappointing uh, as, a, as, a, as a citizen, as, as a woman, as, you know, it's almost like, do you care? Do you care what you might find? Or are we now back to playing the game of it's a call girl? She sh- shouldn't put herself in this type of situation. These are the kinds of things that happen. Yet, I mean, I, this is the kinds of things I just don't understand.
1: I just don't uh, understand. That's the same boat as I am. Now, the detective that knew on Shelby's case, um, he had told me that he would have taken that rug in. He would have ran the DNA on that rug. However, he could not technically use that DNA in court because it being left the crime scene, he couldn't technically use it in court. But he could use that DNA for comparison and run other tests and stuff. Like, I didn't know from... I didn't, I didn't know that from my understandings, it's when you have blood, when you have hair, when you have semen, when you have whatever the case is, you, ha- but it's a difference in the strong. I guess you can say the how is rain, it still comes back, right. but takes less of something to be able to run it. So, because the hair follicle, they say. If it doesn't have the root, it's not as strong. Like, it's harder to get DNA off of it. But if it has the root, it's easier to get DNA. Right. But blood is straightforward. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're going to get one straight thing. It's not as hard. Uh, I guess the same way with semen or saliva. But I, I don't I don't know how to really explain it. But from my understandings, it's, it's harder with different types of DNA you get all the same rule or the results it's just a matter of how you can come up I guess you can come up and get that DNA Mm -hmm. but say they did take it and it matched the DNA that was in their system they could have ran it more than just one time or Mm -hmm. however it's I don't know because I'm not in that kind of line of work but I mean you've got blood you've got hair and There was obviously, they obviously didn't take the condom wrapper because I don't believe that Shelby. Which is incredible. I mean,
0: how do you not take that at a, this is a sexually motivated crime. Exactly. I mean, how are we not taking the condom wrapper, which would typically be opened by the man. Exactly. And you're not taking that into DNA evidence. Evidence Period. And talk about removing things from the crime scene. You go to the home, take all of those things that you mentioned were sitting there. Mm-hmm. And, and so none of those things can be now admitted. If there was anything no. you found or anything you found after, after removing them from the crime scene. So this just, this was, it just seemed like trouble from the beginning, you know? And these are, the, this is why cases don't get solved. This is why I believe we get at standstills, and we have video evidence. We have video evidence. We have a condom. We have blood found on a rug outside of the door. We know she didn't come outside the door after being killed. There was only one way for him to exit, mm-hmm. and yet, and yet, none of that is taken into evidence.
1: Yep, I have, I have strong hatred towards um, H.P.D., but. I don't blame the new detective that's on her case because like I said, he's been very willing and forthcoming with me. He's been, if I text him like I could text him right now and he'll probably text me within minutes back. Yes. Um, But if I would try to email or call Crowder, he wouldn't respond. Everything I get is from this new guy and he's done made it a point to me. He's told me, Hey, look, Christina, I'm not, I'm not going nowhere until your sister's case is solved he's he's told me that he went back through the phone records and was looking for stuff like he's he went back over everything from my understandings and was doing what should have been done the first time right but yeah. I, I don't know we're now seven years
0: later, right? A lot gets lost in seven years a lot a lot gets lost in seven months, mm-hmm. and um well I Christina, I'm just so sorry for your loss. I'm sorry your sister's case, um, you know, and and the way that they handled the crime scene and the victimization from the very beginning. Um, uh, She deserved better. And um, I hope with the new investigator that you start to get some answers. I do know if anybody has any information about Shelby Thornburg, friends, again, I'm going to post the video um, of... The um, of the the murderer scene leaving and entering the building, there is there was some uh, clear like you know, clarification done on the actual on the actual videos, you can, you can see a very good detailed um, face of a person, you can see his entire body, shoes, everything. So if you have any information, you can contact the Houston Crime Stoppers at 713-222-TIPS. That's 713-222-8477. There is a $5,000 reward leading to the arrest. Um, of Shelby's murderer. And I always say, if you don't want to call Houston PD, call your local PD, tell them you have information about Shelby's case. You know, think about where you were. If you were in Houston on November 4th, 2015, or anyone um, living in that area, again, please look at this face. If you recognize him or recognize anyone he's associated with, please call in um, and let them know. Christina, is there anything else you want to,
1: you want to tell our listeners or anything else we should know? Uh, The only thing uh, is I did somebody on a support team, Shelby page had asked me to create uh, another GoFundMe page to try to raise um, more funds for the reward of whoever leads us to the killer of my sister. I have also offered a thousand dollars of my own money. So At this moment, the reward is technically at $6,000, so I I really can't afford to do more than that, but I do have that GoFundMe page, and it is posted on Support Team Shelby to help raise uh, a higher reward to try to find my sister's killer, because it has been seven years, and we would like justice. Okay. Christina, thank you
0: for coming on. Um, I I wish nothing but closure for you and your family, in, in Shelby's case. Um, I hope the investigator stay in touch with them. You and I will talk offline and um, I can maybe give you some few tips about asking um, this current um, investigator you're working with on any kind of open public records that you and your family can look at. Um, So thanks again, Christina, for being here. And friends, um, we will post all of that on our social media. And uh, Christina, thanks again, hon. I appreciate it. You're welcome.